Hey, welcome to Grace Online. So glad you could join us this week. Um, if this is your first time on this platform, I just want to explain a couple things. Uh, one, it was really cool here in our room. People lead worship, right? But uh, number two, uh, there's all kinds of different things you can do to interact on this platform. One of the most important things you're going to do is click the connect card, and that's kind of up in the top of the website. When you click the connect card, it will take you to a different site, uh, but it's important that you fill that out, tell us who you are, what's going on in your life, and really important, how to pray for you. Um, that's one of the most important things you do. It's also the way that you interact with different decisions that you might be able to make during this message. There's also a place to chat. Now, when you chat, that's public chat, and everybody can see that. That's kind of down and to your right. And so when you see that area, everybody chatting, you see everybody's chat. But there's a public um, area for that, and there's a public area for notes. And then to the right of that, you're going to see a place for prayer. Now, that's live time prayer. And one of the reasons that we're doing this live streaming this way, it's called simulated live streaming, where we've recorded earlier, but we want to give that to you in real time, is we get to interact with you during the message. And so either myself or Danny are going to be in the actual chat room. And so when you say, I'd like live prayer, it's one of the two of us praying with you. And so we're going to hold that in confidence. You can ask for prayer on any issue. And so it's one of the ways in this season where, you know, COVID-19 has got us locked down a little bit that we can still have interaction. Now there's notes that are there and inside those notes, you're going to be able to follow along with me. And uh, we're also going to try some lower third fill-ins this week. And so if you're one of those folks, you like fill-ins, we're going to try to get our lower thirds to you this week. So we're going to continue in a series called Habits. And so in Habits, we've been walking through hang time with God, which is having a quiet time with God every day. We're then going to do, we did accountability, which is having groups and having a group around you where you're actually connecting with that group and sharing your life with that group. And also you're moving eventually from not just sharing your life and spending time with that group, but you're moving to Bible study. And that's the B in habits. And so once we get to Bible study, we start going deeper in our faith and deeper in our interaction with scripture. And then last week I got to introduce to you, Tony Skurzik, who's a great guy who's been in this church for a while and has the gift of teaching. And we've been wanting to get him before you church for a while so that you can hear him teach. And he shared a great message on inspired service. Now, when he shared that message, I don't know about you, but I thought, where is God inspiring me to serve either deeper, uh, more completely, or maybe to engage for the first time? And um, we asked you that week to fill out a domino. We've been doing that. So the dominoes go on the letters each week when we have people commit to that next step. And so even in this season when we're meeting digitally, we want to continue to do these. So as we move forward, the next thing we're going to talk about is treasuring the kingdom. And I want to, I want to submit something to you here at the beginning. We all treasure something. We all treasure something. What do you treasure? And when you, when you be able, if you really want to know what people treasure, what you've got to do is look at what they measure or what they count or where they spend time. Take the church, for instance. And the church has taken some hits, some rightly so and some not so right. But one of the things that I've seen in the modern church movement is the church has started to measure different things. In fact, the church, based on George Barna's research, started to measure things like attendance, money, dollars given, how much staff, how much square footage they had in a certain building. You know, when you start to measure those things, they begin to tell you what you treasure. And there's a lot of modern churches today that what they really treasure is having a large gathering, you know, or having a large budget or building bigger buildings. And sometimes there's nobility behind that where they're saying, I just want to reach more people. But Sometimes there's not. There's this pride that's at the core of it. Well, the same thing is true for the church 
is the same thing that's true for you and I. What we measure, what we count, what we spend our focused time on tells us a lot about what we treasure. So what do you measure? What do you count? What do you dwell on? What kind of has and occupies your thoughts all the time? And if you're able to think about that, even right now, (coughs) excuse me, it might tell you what you treasure. So what's this church supposed to treasure? What's the church supposed to look like? Well, let's jump into a great book, the book of Acts. We're going to go to chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 42 through 47, and we're going to look at it in a different translation called the New Living Translation. Flows really well, and I just like the way this rolls off, especially for this week when we're looking at this. So grab, grab that or look at your notes on the right, and you can follow along. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Verse 46, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So in this book of Acts, you and I get this this kind of picture into the early church and what mattered to them and what they measured. And it's interesting when we start to look at this because it begins to, I think, reflect on the things that we should measure, that should show where our treasure is. And when you look at that, let's look at what they treasured. And it's very different than what you and I treasure. So one of the things I want to ask you is, based on what you measure, based on what counts to you, it's going to shape your life. So again, what do you measure? What counts for you? And Based on that, does that make your life dull? Does that make your life overexciting? You know, what happens? And I think when you look at this early church, you can say what they were measuring and what they were counting was really shaping their life. So whose kingdom are you living for is going to be determined on what you measure and what you count and where you put your focus. Today's way or today's kingdom or the world's kingdom, they live for happiness. That's what they measure. They measure a certain type of happiness and where they are with their happiness. And when people aren't happy or people are down, it affects their whole demeanor. It affects everything around them. It affects their very kingdom. What's interesting is there's an irony in the fact that we as Americans measure happiness more than anything. In fact, um, recently they did a poll and they found that Americans are one of the unhappiest groups of people in all the world today. We're very very unhappy. And then when they started digging at the why, they started asking, what's the why behind the reason Americans are so unhappy? They realized that a lot of the unhappiness, this this will surprise you, it surprised me, is connected to current addiction right now, specifically connected to the opioid epidemic. And because of the opioid epidemic, then you've got to dig a little deeper and say, well, what's at the heart of those kinds of addictions? Not just opioid addictions, but other things that we get addicted to that, that draws us, that gives us a hang up, a habit or a hurt. Why is it that that's affecting a lack of happiness and is impacting our lives? Well, if you look at modern psychology, and some of you like that, some of you don't, but when you look at psychology, here's what they said. They said, like every other psychological symptom, addictive actions are the result of complex functions of the mind. And what they're saying is, you can't just label people that have an addiction, or you can't label people that are unhappy and just go, you're unhappy because of this and point to one thing. There's complexity around that. But listen to what they said was at the heart. They occur when people feel 
overwhelmingly helpless. When you and I feel helpless, we lose our happiness. And that's not the Bible saying that. That's just modern psychologists through observation saying we see this and we see a decline in the happiness of people. And people measure happiness. And because they're measuring that, they're counting on that. It's affecting how they understand, especially the kingdom. Now, when you look at this early church, they didn't measure happiness. That's not where they were looking. In fact, they were looking to a different place because they had moved from looking towards self to looking outside of self. In fact, what they were looking at was Jesus's way, and Jesus's way had them living in wonder, living in wonder. There was an awe about everything in their life when they looked around them. In fact, look what it says again in verse 42, and let's just, in 43, let's just pick out some words. It says, they were devoted. There was, there was something about their devotion that affected something in their life. They were devoted to what? The apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And there was a deep sense of awe. There was a deep sense of awe that came out of this. So when you look at what they were devoted to, the result was this deep sense of wonder or awe. And when you look at that and you look at the things they were devoted to, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That's essentially being devoted to that hang time, the Bible, reading that, searching that, and it affects. It moves you from a place of not just looking for happiness, but that you find yourself in awe of who God is and what God is doing. That's one of the reasons why we started a Wednesday night Bible study right now on Facebook Live. So you go to my Facebook um, page, make sure you friend me. Every Wednesday night at seven, I'm going to try to share a um, Wednesday um, night small group with you. But I also want you to know that we've got other ways that people are still meeting to gather around God's word and group where they've got that accountability and they've got that hang time. They're also doing Zoom groups. We did our small group through um, Zoom. And it was so cool on Monday to hang out with the people that we haven't seen in a while. It actually uh, made us want to long for another time. I know that right now people that are going through Financial Peace University are using Zoom. And because of that, they have this sense of awe as they look at their finances and what God has to say about it. Our group has a sense of awe as we pray together and we actually spent time together studying God's word. This is where we have this sense of awe, this sense of wow, look at what God's doing around me and in me. We had another group that used a party line and all their people called in. So there's different ways. I'm just so proud of our folks that you're deciding how you can meet. <laughs> Even though we can't meet in person, you guys are finding ways to get together. And this is what you see in the early church. And it's a big difference in how it affected their perspective and what kingdom they were living for. They had that fellowship and they had that sharing. One of the things I think they had when they were sharing was they shared meals. And one of the things I, I think about right now is how you and I have this wonderful opportunity when we're at home to share greater meals with the people that are closest to us or the people in our immediate circle. So they were sharing. They shared the Lord's Supper. And when you look at the Lord's Supper, they were sharing this idea of corporate worship, this idea that there was something communal about the way that they were connecting. And their focus was on God through communion and others. So when you look at that and how that increased their prayer life, which increased their connection to God, their focus again was on talking to God and bringing up the concerns of people around them. That's why we're doing a Wednesday night or Wednesday prayer gathering also. So every Wednesday at noon, I'm praying with you on Facebook Live for about 30 minutes. And I've asked people, would you fast with me 
breakfast and lunch and then pray with me at noon. Because when we start to do these things, we begin to get a sense of awe of who God is, wonder of how he is at work. And we're not focused on our happiness. We begin to focus on God's holiness. And that changes everything. So whose kingdom are you living in? Look at the next thing as we put those two together. Um, Today's way says, keep it, hoard it, hold it. Don't let it go. In fact, we're hoarding things like toilet paper. Would you ever thought that we would hoard toilet paper? Come on, people. Why are we doing this? We're doing this because, again, we are so inward focused and our inward focus when it comes to looking at the things that drive us, the things that count, is we're looking toward that and saying, I'm going to keep everything for me, which is very self-centered. When you look at the other, this hoarding thing has been interesting. We went to the supermarket, my wife and I did, and uh, I thought, let's grab some hot dogs. They're easy while we're home. It's an easy thing to cook. And so, of course, I picked up one of those big packages of hot dogs and like 20, 20 dogs. And when I'm looking at that big package of dogs, I'm like, okay, cool. And then my wife says, well, what's in it? I'm like, oh, it's like a combination of uh, turkey or, and pork or something. I can't eat that. She says, I, can only, I only like beef hot dogs. So I had to take this big old thing of 20 back, put it in the thing, and then I grabbed one of eight. And I'm like, well, that's not many for them. So I grabbed another one. You know, when I got to the register, they told us we could only have one. Ironic, I can buy a package of 20, and, I, and we're good with that, but I can only buy one package. And the reason they're doing that is they're trying to follow certain rules because right now people are saying, just keep it, hoard it, take as much as you can just for yourself. But when you look at Jesus's way, when you look at how his kingdom is shaped, it's very different. He says, give it away, give it away. Look at that again between verses 44 and 45. They shared everything they had. They shared everything that they had. This is what the church is supposed to look like. This is what Christianity is supposed to be about. But we don't look that way. Sometimes, I don't know where you are in your faith, whether you're still trying to check, check out what Christianity is about. Maybe you're marginal in your faith, or maybe you're sold out. But when I look at Christians, I know a lot of them also hoard. They hold on to things. They try to not give things away. They try to keep things close. You know, Recently, there was an excellent example of, of a radical form of this as far as not hoarding, but giving things away. There's a priest, um, he's an archpriest over in uh, Casanigo. You can look it up. Um, he, was, he's, he was 72 years old. His name is um, um, a really interesting name, Don uh, Giuseppe uh, Beraldelli. And if I said that wrong, if you're Italian, you can correct me, put it in the comment. But, but here's what I want to tell you about this priest. Uh, he recently went in, he got the COVID-19, he got the, the coronavirus, and he went in and there, there weren't enough respirators. And so he was there and there was a younger person that was also in need of a respirator. And this priest, this just happened this week, said, um, give my respirator to that person. And he ended up dying. You know, that's at the heart of the Christian faith, that we don't hold on to things and hoard things but that we give them away, even at great sacrifice. By the way, that's what Jesus did, right? Jesus said, I've done nothing wrong. I'm deserving of no penalty for death. People are because they've sinned against God and against one another, but I'll give my life away. I'll lay it down so that they might have life and have that wonder and awe of who God truly is. So we look at this, we look at what's at the heart of Christianity. It's give it away, not hold on to it. One of the things that we're trying to do, because we know there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of things you're going through, is connect to you through the connect card and give things away. 
we don't know what the needs are sometimes around us because we're not seeing one another in person. So that digital connect card is becoming more and more important. So click on it. Not only tell us how to pray for you, but if you've got a neighbor, a friend, a family member that they're in need, put it on the connect card so that we can figure out ways to engage with people in this season and make sure that people are out of work or people that have needs for prayer or people that have certain needs as far as just having someone call them, that we can do that. Put that on your connect card this week. I'm so proud of our deacons. Our deacons have been reaching out to every member in some way, unless they've seen them on Facebook and know they're okay, but they're checking on them. And we just formed a new checkup team today to check on people that are regular attenders and and attenders. And we've been putting that list together and are getting that out so we can start checking on people and see what's going on and how can we give things away and serve you in this season. So whose kingdom are you living in? If you want to look at that again, two things to look at. Today's way or the world's way brings conflict. It brings conflict. When we live for ourselves, then that's what brings conflict with others around us. You ever tried, it's kind of like this, you ever tried to dig a hole at the beach? You know, you're down near the water and you start digging a hole. What happens is you start to dig the hole. Things start to collapse in on you. No matter how hard you dig, no matter how much you try to center right on yourself, right underneath your own feet, things seem to collapse in around you no matter how hard you try. Are you one of those people? You're trying hard, you're working hard, you're trying to make the relationships around you work, but Everything's just collapsing in on you all the time. There's just constant conflict. Well, maybe it's because you're living for the world and not for Jesus's kingdom. I know a guy, he's, um, he's much older now, and um, he knows a lot of Bible. He's been to a lot of church, but he's never really experienced true transformation. There's, there's something that's missing in his Christian walk and the way that he treats his family and the way that he treats, you know, his wife. And when I look around him, I'm like, what a shame that you've lived this long life and yet you still don't get the basic tenets of the Christian faith that when we look at it, it shouldn't bring conflict, but peace and harmony and unity around us. Don't wake up at the end of your life and be that way because Jesus's way, there's unity. There's unity. Look at verse 46. They had joy and generosity that drove them to unity. And they did that around a shared meal. That's not by coincidence. Those are connected. They worshiped in a corporate way. They had intimate fellowship and connection with one another. They would do anything for one another. And again, around the Lord's Supper, they had this thing that drew them together. One of the things I love about the Lord's Supper or communion whichever word you want to use for that, is when you come to the table of the Lord, you can't be focused on you. You're focused on what he did, his body, his blood, and how we are now accepting that corporately connected together. And there's something about the joy and the generosity that happens when we share that meal or a meal with one another. One of the things I want want you to know about is next week, I'm going to send you out some directions on how you and I can actually share communion at home together. And so that we can still have that because our normal custom here at Grace is to share communion on the first Sunday of every month. And we're going to do that together. And I'm going to share that with you. Another way that you can share meals is with your family. Um, a lot of posts out there right now are how families are driving each other nuts and how being in close proximity is, uh, they're like getting on each other's nerves. Here's the reality. God's given you an opportunity with your family. How often are you sitting down at the table sharing a meal together? sharing a conversation together, 
talking about your faith together. And around that common table and around that common meal, starting to strive for unity as a family. Seeing each and every family member as providing something unique and wonderful and beautiful to your family. And that's the way we should view the church. And then the last part of that, when you look at this, is they had a joy and a generosity. How's your generosity in this season? One of the things I'm hearing from churches all around the area as they're saying, wow, we're going to take a hit this, this, in this season in generosity. Really? I'm not so sure. I think the church might step up and surprise us all. Of course, there's going to be some people that are out of work, and that's going to be, make it harder for them to be able to be generous. But I think in this season, you're going to see people be more generous than they've ever been, especially as they start to go deeper in their faith. And why will they do it? Because they begin to treasure the kingdom of Christ. And they want to see the church take the resources of Jesus and help those in need. Whose kingdom are you living for? Today's way would leaves people where they are. Today's way leaves people where they are. Let me, let me uh, share something I know that might be a little controversial, but I think it's the best way, <coughs> again, to understand this idea of the world's way or today's way of leaving people where they are. When people come, we say, come as you are, come however you're thinking, come whatever your orientation is, come whatever, just come. And we're supposed to just be accepting and fully tolerant of everything. And they said, that's just the way it is. But the reality is when you begin to look at tolerance, true tolerance and true acceptance, it's when you look at people that are different than you, think different, maybe even practice their faith differently, and you still want to be together. You want to learn from one another. You want to share your life with that person. But it doesn't mean that you're supposed to just throw away your convictions about certain things of life. One of the things that I've seen within the Christian church recently, and it bothers me a little, is in our culture, we're trying to redefine what sexuality is. The biological born boy and girl, or what our sexuality should be between one man and one woman. And what we've said is, if someone believes different, then you're not tolerant. That's not true. I'm extremely tolerant because people that think differently than I do and believe differently, I still want to spend my life with them and get to know them and share my life. But at the same time, am I supposed to lose the conviction of what I believe is spiritually been put there by Scripture? In fact, that's one of the things that's so different about Jesus. Jesus accepted everyone, brought them into his circle, but he also wanted to move them forward in their faith. And Jesus' way brings transformation. It brings transformation. Look in verse 47. All the while they were praising God, enjoying goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their number those being saved. In other words, those being transformed. Here's the reality. When you really love someone, when you're really tolerant of someone, it means that you're willing to see the greater good that maybe God wants in their life and that you would love them toward that greater good. Now, here's the key. The Lord's the one that added. That's not our job. He's the one that transforms. I don't transform anybody. I don't coerce anybody. I don't try to change anybody. I just want to put on display how God has changed my life. And I'm thankful that he just didn't accept me where I was and leave me there, but he challenged me to move forward in my faith, to be more holy and closer to his very heart and nature. And you and I should have that same mentality, not only about our life, but about others. That if we can just love them and draw them closer to who Christ is, he will indeed change who they are. So whose kingdom have you been treasuring? Whose kingdom are you treasuring? 
All the while they were praising God in this whole situation. And they were letting their light shine before men. I love that passage out of Matthew 5, 16. It's not in your notes, but you can put it on the side. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that um, they could see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Glorify your Father in heaven. So how are you at work? Do people look to you and know you're a Christian without even asking? How's your marriage? When people look at your marriage, if you're a Christian, do they say there's something unique about the way that they live as husband and wife and they want that? You know, when they look at your life and your parenting, is your parenting different in the way that you relate to your kids and love your kids? What we've been talking about today is treasuring the kingdom. And when we treasure the kingdom in these ways, it transforms who we are. Where are you in that process? Maybe you're at a place in your life that um, you need to renew that faith. Or maybe you're a place in your life where you need to begin that faith journey. Maybe you're that person that's been frustrated with life. And life is not working out for you at all well. Trust me, it's time for you to give all of you to Jesus for what he's done so that your life might be transformed. Here's what that looks like. It's a life exchange. Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I couldn't live. For 33 and a half years, he walked the earth. He never sinned in thought or deed. How could he do that? Because he wasn't just a man. He was fully man and he was fully God. There's something unique about his very nature. And because of that, he lived a life that was perfect and flawless. And even though he lived perfectly, he said, I'm going to give up my life as a sacrifice to cover over the sins of a world that's broken and hurting and distant from God and one another. And so he allowed his own creation to crucify him, to murder him. And he died a horrendous and horrible death. And he did that to atone for, to pay for your sin and my sin. And then because he had no sin, and by the way, the wage of sin is death, right? Because he had no sin, three days later, he came out of that tomb alive. And many, many, many people saw it. It's an an indisputed fact. He came out of that tomb three days later. People that put their hope and their trust in what Christ has done, they're transformed, they're changed. And if you need to do that, I want to do that with you right now. Even on the internet. You admit your sin before God. You believe only on what Jesus has done and you commit your life to him. Let's do that together. Our Father, there's people listening right now that need that relationship or they need to renew that relationship with you because they've been treasuring the wrong kingdom. God, in my life, there's times I treasure the wrong kingdom. And so right now we want to just give our lives to you. We do that first by admitting our sin. Would you do that right now? Would you admit your specific sin in your life in this quiet time before God? Lord, it's not enough to admit and recognize our sin. We have to have an atonement, a payment for that sin. And so, Lord, we accept the atonement and the payment of Christ. We believe only on what he's done and accomplished for us when he died on the cross for us. And because of what he's done, God, we know that we're forgiven. And God, we thank you for what he's done. We thank you for how Jesus has saved us and brought us to a place where our relationship with you might be whole. And God, it's not enough to just recognize what Christ has done, but we need to commit our lives to him. Lord, we want to treasure his kingdom. And so this day, we put all of our hope and all of our trust, not only in him, but we put our hope and our trust and our commitment to him. 
not in ourselves, but in him, that he can transform us this day. God, thank you for the transformation that's coming into my life. And we invite the Holy Spirit right now to come inside of our heart, inside of our lives, and change who we are. Thank you for how you've done this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed with me, there's a little button right now at the bottom that says, I prayed or um, I got saved. Would you click that? That actually not only tells me that you made a decision, but it goes out actually to all of the different websites uh, that use that platform. And we encourage one another with people that have made that decision to renew their faith or to begin their faith. Would you tell me and let me know that you prayed to receive Christ? Because if you did that, there's some cool stuff that's coming. And would you put that on your Connect card? Because if you do, um, I'll be able to send you some resources. So here's some things you can do this week that I think could be really helpful. Uh, One, you did the biggest thing if you made that decision to renew or start your faith. The second thing is this week, be intentional with your family time, would you? Would you be intentional with your family time? And that means to sit down at least once a week and have a family meal and a devotion together. Um, Leverage every member's talent. Um, leverage every member's talent. Now come back for the family time. Uh, Miss Wendy, our children's director, is sending out to you a devotion. If, if you're not getting that, make sure we get your email. We send out free devotions to every family that they can do at home. And if you do that with your family, it's something you can talk around, about around the meal table. And then leverage every member's talent. We're going to be sending you um, a free gift assessment so that you can look at your talent and your kid's talent and your teen's talent and say, here's how God has given us specific talents. And we talked a little bit about that last week with, you know, being inspired to serve. And then would you sign up to serve? One of the things that we're beginning to sense is, you know, this corona thing won't go forever. And when it stops, uh, we'll be able to get back together. And when we do, when we get back together, friends, we believe the church is going to grow even more in the public gathering. And that means we're going to need everybody signed up to serve, especially in the children's area and the teens area, because those are growing right now exponentially. And we need to love on those kids and those teens and show them who Jesus is. So if you're willing to serve in that area, would you let me know? And then continue to support the kingdom with your treasure. Would you do that? Thank you so much for how some of you have been helping to support this church so we can help and give away God's resources to other people that truly need it. So if you're going to do those three things, I'm going to ask you to say, I'm in on your connect card. I'm in. And when you put I'm in, here's what you're saying. I'm going to spend at least one, one night a week, at least one night a week with my family at a meal and having a family devotion and talking to them about their faith. You're going to serve within your local church. Whatever church that is, you're going to start to serve and use your gifts and your talents with that local church. That's what you're saying when you said, I'm in. And then that you would treasure. That means that you would set aside what the Lord tells you each week to give to your local church and say, I'm in and supporting that church's ministry so they can reach out and share the hope of who Jesus is with people. If you're willing to do that, say I'm in and I'm going to put your name on a domino and then we're going to glue that domino to that T back there for treasuring the kingdom. I hope today's message has blown you away and that you are ready to treasure God's kingdom over the world's kingdom. Hey, right after I'm done speaking, you're going to see a video about Lottie Moon. I'm sorry, not Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong. I get those confused sometimes. But Annie Armstrong, which is a special offering for the North American area. It helps for disaster relief, which is being used right now. It also helps to plant churches all around our country. And it also helps with people that can't afford to go to Bible college and seminary to help that more affordable for them. And so I want you to watch this video and consider would you give to that special offering? Because that special offering is going to impact people as well. And thank you for your gift and how you support this church. Pretty cool things um, are happening, and I'm just thankful for what God's doing. Aren't you? Let's move to hope by not focusing on the world's kingdom, 
but by treasuring God's kingdom and seeing it move forward. Amen? Amen. You have a blessed week.